And welcome to another episode of Smell My Bourbon. I'm your host, Mike Sanchez. I'm here today at, at E&A Cigars. This is our, our second off-site recording. We're not in the studio. And I'm really excited about this show because it's going to be a really good one. Uh, I'm joined today with my buddy, Inspector Lou. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. So how you doing? Awesome, man. I'm having a great time. You're having here. a great time? I am. So, all right, so the reason why Lou's laughing here is because this is actually not the original recording. We just spent an hour recording, not recording. So this is like a this is a redo. Yeah. We're, we're redoing this stuff again. But you know what, guys? We're going to give you a great show anyways. Because today, like I said, we're at E&A Cigars in Pearland. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the few shops that I know in Pearland where they, they make their own cigars. They have their own line here. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a it's a beautiful cigar it's it's made in nicaragua it's it's uh, but it's made with with cuban with cuban seeds it, it it's basically it's the it's the closest you're going to get to a real cuban cigar and i mean the flavor the profile is amazing we're joined today with alex from ena cigars hey how you doing and and eddie hey how you doing and and so alex and eddie so eddie is is the father he's the the uh the owner yeah. of ena cigars and alex is is the the son and 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 the uh, the co partner, which is so awesome. So like I always say, dude, this is so awesome. Uh, the, the fact that you you get to do this with your father, because I think that's every father's dream is to be able to start a business where they can they can run it with their son. I, I think that's every man because it, it's like a legacy. You're leaving a legacy behind. You're starting a legacy with your father with your and something y'all can leave behind to future generations, and it can grow and it can grow and it grow. So. Yeah, that's I agree with you, man, because there's something like, for example, like I would love to do something like this with my son to have our own business and to and to see each other every day and work together every day. And I think that would be possible for you, because like I think your son's really into the stuff that you're into. So I, I could see you all at some point starting some kind of business where y'all can run together. So but this is so cool that you'll get to do this and everything like that. So first of all, I want to talk about the cigar because this is y'all cigar. So what do we have today? What are we smoking today? You're smoking the 1937 Ponciano. It is named after my grandfather. Uh, it has a 100% Cuban seed with a Cuban biso right from my grandfather's plantation. Well, my other grandfather's plantation. Yeah, so your yeah. grandfather on your mother's side. Yeah, my mother's side. But the cigar is named after the grandfather on your and dad's my, my side. My dad's side, yeah. He passed so, away in 2009. Yeah. So I think you all are really close to your, your dad's grandfather? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, Absolutely. awesome. Absolutely, yeah. So, um... You said a viso, Cuban viso. What what is a viso? A viso is basically what uh, is inside the cigar. Is basically what gives it its its strength. Is it cigar. like the core? Is it? it I don't know. I, like I'm trying to picture it. So is it kind of like the core of the cigar? Yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about it, yeah, it's kind of like the core. Okay. So, so it's it, so basically like with most cigars is you have what they call the filler, which is all the leaf that's ground up and everything like that, but it's wrapped into a a. a um, I guess it's a, what the viso is is the wrapper, the binder, right? Yeah, the binder. It's yeah, the yeah. binder. It's what holds the the cigar together inside, and then it's wrapped with the leaf, and the re, the leaf is what gives you the flavor on the outside. That's the the, the wrapper. That's what we would call the wrapper. Right. What gives you its its taste? So the viso is 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 the is the core, like you said. It, it is the it is the actual binder that holds everything together, and then you have the wrapper on the outside. 
So, so it's it's Cuban seed yeah. from Nicaragua yeah. with a Cuban viso from my grandfather's plantation. From your grandfather, oh, so yeah, your yeah, grandfather and your grandfather's plantation is where at again? In in Cuba. In Cuba. So basically, it gets shipped from Cuba to Nicaragua, that gets built in Nicaragua and then shipped here. So it's the closest we could possibly do a Cuban cigar that's not communist, people. That's important. There Classic. you go. See, so this is this is a non a non communist cigar, but it tastes amazing. Traditional, I, I, real Cuban cigar. So. So we lit this. We lit this cigar up maybe about about almost an hour. Ago. Almost an hour ago, and it's still going. In a previous man. podcast, yeah. I will never be uh, heard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll hey. never hear that first podcast because hey, and this thing still tastes good, man. We're over halfway through with it, and, and it, it's good. And and like you were telling us earlier, um, you could you could put your fingers right next to where the ashes are. Yeah, that's how you can tell if a cigar how properly it's built. If you can. Hold it very close to the ash without actually t- touching the ash. Uh, and if it's warm, it's probably built. If it's hot, hot, it is terribly built. Yeah, and I'm holding this at the ash right here. And I'm, I'm already more than halfway through. And it, it is, it's warm. It's not hot. I can hold it there. It doesn't burn me. But the most important part is that I like about the cigar is, like I said, I'm halfway through. And the flavor has not changed. It is still such a smooth Nice peppery flavor, a little bit of earth I get in there, and it, it's just really, really, really good. I, I'm really, truly enjoying uh, the cigar right here. I mean, it's 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 made amazing, dude. I just and, and what's the price point on the cigar? Uh, the price point on this one is uh, fourteen dollars. It is our most expensive cigar. No, one. no fucking way. There's no way this is a fourteen dollar cigar. That is fourteen dollars. This thing smokes we've like done, a twenty something dollar cigar. Had, sure we've does. had reviews done on it. It is has been compared to a thirty dollar cigar. So if if I could give you the same quality for a thirty dollar cigar at half its price, I think people might go for the one that's fourteen dollars. Dude, the, I love you it. You know what? I tell you what. If you bought anything other than this, you're you're crazy. This is. I'm smoking this thing, and I'm like, okay, cool, you know, because normally we do the price after the fact, but then when he told me the price, I'm like, there's no fucking way. There's there's no way that this is a, a $14 cigar, and we're paying 30 but this is this is amazing. It's this good. is an amazing yeah. cigar. And this if you buy the bundle of it, because we do offer people the bundle of it, it's 25 cigars, yeah, that's $200 for the bundle, which basically comes out to about $8 a cigar. Not bad. Damn, like Lord's got to buy us a bundle. <laughs> Why does it have to be me, Mike? Why does it got to be me? Because you're the inspector, Lou. Everybody knows you got all the money. No, Mike. No, no, no. It go- It all goes into inspection tools. Inspectors don't use no tools. Just your eyes. <laughs> just your eyes. So you, that's why I know you got lots of money. The only inspector I know is Inspector Gadget. Right, right. Dun, 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 dun. Inspector Gadget. But dun, this dun. Is, so this is Inspector Lou, right? So we we're trying to convince PBS to take him in and so he can work with Dora the Explorer. So they'll, she'll go out there and she's like, can we do it? And she looks at the bridge and he's like, hold on, let me inspect the bridge first. <laughs> that would be me. That would be me right there. <laughs> so uh, so you said this was named after your grandfather. So could, yep. you might give us a little story, a little backstory about your grandfather. And, you know, uh, was he a big cigar smoker? Absolutely not. He, <laughs> Absolutely o- not. <laughs> he only loved drinking rum and smoking cigarettes. But he never touched a cigar. Nothing wrong with smoking, with drinking rum. I love rum too. I, okay, rum my too. dad just told me that. I just found out that he actually smoked a cigar every, like sometimes, I guess. See. Oh yeah, but, but he, my dad's grandma, his, uh, my grandfather's, uh, 
mom, she smoked every day. She smoked cigars every day. Yeah, and that's because they had a, 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 a tobacco uh, a, a farm, correct? That, that's actually on my mom's side. On your mom's of, side, Because okay. my dad's side, there was no connection to the cigars. Only that she smoked them. On my mom's side, that's where my great-grandfather, he had the plantation and, well, plantations, S, at the end of it. Uh, big, very big plantation. Very big. So yeah. where, uh, this where this big plantation was in uh, in Cuba, correct? Yeah, Pena de Rio, so Cuba. Was it? So was he familiar with a lot of other like famous Cuban plantations? And- uh, actually, right next to it was the very famous brand called Robina. They used to be. Uh, they were the Alejandro Robinas. Um, and if people know big cigar, they know they have their cigar knowledge. They'll know who that is. But basically, they were first cousins. And when I, I can't remember who died, they decided to, you know, just split the ground, the, the, the plantation into two. Uh, they just so basically all that splits it is a fence. That's it. Like it's just like a little fence. It's or like a, a, no, it's a little fence. Like a little fence. A that's little it. fence. Yeah, a little fence. So that's people it. who are buying this Robanas and, and everything, their tobacco. It will be exactly like it's ours. the exact same tobacco that you're getting. Except, but except Robanas, they knew how to. They made a brand of it. We didn't, or my family side of it didn't. They were able to market it better than your side. Yeah, yeah, they went out and made a brand, and even though how hard that is to be in, to do it in Cuba, because in Cuba there's no you, nobody has a right to have their own proper, their own private company. It's all the government's. Uh, base, but basically they they did it, and uh, and our side of it, we the government took everything and just left us ten percent of it. The Cuban government. So uh, they leave you ten percent of the tobacco or ten percent of the farm. The money. Oh, the money, the profit from... Oh, the tobacco, I'm sorry. So 90% of the tobacco that y'all produce goes to the the government. government. And then the government does give it to Cohiba. Yeah. And then with that 10%, we could, like, sell it out to local... Wow. So, so your you guys' tobacco was given to like Cohiba and and big companies. Most likely. I mean, they don't tell you what they do with it. They just take 90% of it. Wow. Wow. Barely anything. It's amazing they could do something like that for all your hard work. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's the Cuban government for you. Bunch of murderous dictators. That's yeah. That's, that's, a, that's something you have. Yeah, and you grew up in Cuba, correct? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Till I was seven years old, third grade. That was two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to plant. I used to. I used to plant plant them, and I used to water the tobaccos. Oh, okay, so as they were growing. So you grew up with this ever since you were little. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's in my blood. It's in my blood from my mom's side. My dad's side. He, my dad, got into it very big after he got together with my mom and all that. Stuff. So you, once your dad married your mom, they kind of brought him into the business. But basically. And then basically, from that on, from that point on, your dad had the vision yeah, to yeah. to make the cigars and to. Well, from there on, we got his his old mission since he was probably five was leave Cuba and come to the United States because he never agreed with that government. I don't agree with that government. Uh, and anybody who doesn't agree with him either gets put in prison or shot. Oh, there! Look, there's a picture of my mom's grandfather, my great grandfather. No, shoot. let me. I can do not. Uh, lock that so you can see it better. There we go. Hey. Oh wow! And that's him in the in the field yeah, with his plants. Field. Yeah. That is amazing. Hopefully, we can get that. Maybe we can get a copy of that picture. And we can put it on the on our podcast on yeah. our, our website and share uh, some of these uh, pictures because absolutely. y'all guys have some amazing pictures. Y'all have some amazing history, from what I understand. Y'all y'all have worked with some some big time uh, uh, manufacturers of cigars as well, from my understanding. Because I so I'm looking at uh, first of all, 
let me just say this shop is amazing the shop is like it's like going into a family relatives place and just chilling the 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 atmosphere is really nice. homey. It's very homey. It's very it's very inviting. As soon as you come in, it's just like, dude, have a seat. Let's chill. Let's smoke. Uh, I mean, and, and that's the thing I love about cigars. I've always loved about cigars is the fact that, to me, I feel like cigar smoking is it's it's an art. It's Absolutely. an art. It's an art. It's not something. You, it's not like cigarettes. You can take a cigarette, you light it, you smoke yeah, it, and, and you right. throw it away. Exactly. And, and, and you know you can smoke a cigarette by yourself. I don't think you smoke cigars by yourself. No, I think cigars are meant to be smoked. It's like with wines. It's like, it's like wine. wine. Yes, it's like exactly. Wine. It's meant to be. It's not meant to be smoked. It's 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 meant, meant to, to be enjoyed. enjoyed. Exactly. And and it's better enjoyed with friends. Absolutely. And I feel like the culture of cigars, and that's that's, that's what drew me into cigar smoking, was the culture and and the inclusiveness. You know, you can go anywhere in the world and, and go to a smoke shop, and there's other smokers there. You can go sit down, light up a cigar, and then no matter who they are, where they are, from what walk of life, they're all just going to kind of gravitate. Oh, what you got right there? Oh, and then it starts a conversation. Absolutely. And then yep. you start having conversations with people that you would never even know. Exactly. CEOs down to your, your blue-collar worker. how many times I've seen it happen, and I've been a part of it myself. Oh, yeah? you have an, four, exp- an example? Four people that have nothing to do with each other sat down here about three weeks ago and I was one of those four people and we just probably had a five-hour conversation about a hundred different things I don't read books but the guy like told me hey you should check out this book we had such a good conversation I looked it up and uh and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the book did you get the yeah I was gonna ask you did you end up getting the book I haven't gotten it yet but I still have it saved there I'm gonna get it I'm you're gonna, gonna get, get the book after, yeah absolutely that's just awesome your, man five hours a long time uh Think it's like a man or something like that. Something like that. I can't. Like and then man. he told me, and and then he he told me he he asked me for a bunch of my. The guy was probably in his fifties, and he was asking for like my opinion and stuff like that. And I and I said I don't read much, but there's one book I I read when I was probably in eighth grade or seventh that I, that's probably been my favorite book. It's I mean it's science fiction. It's pretty. Um, but I told him you should check it out if you like reading. And he's like, yeah. And see, and I think that's the cool thing. I think. The thing with like with like like you said conversations stuff like that it's, it's all about gaining knowledge and I feel like in life the absolute purpose of life is to continue to gain knowledge. I think when you stop trying to achieve knowledge or start try, stop trying to, to gain knowledge and, and, and stuff is when you basically just quit living. Absolutely. Like if you're not learning something new every single day, then what are you doing with your life? That's like, why I'm here, Mike, because I learned a lot today. I learned a lot about Cuba. I didn't know all the stuff that you were telling us about Cuba. Yeah, like my uh, science teacher used to say. Once you stop learning, you start dying. Too bad I already know everything. <laughs> so is he still alive? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like the guy. So if he is, well, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody had that one teacher you didn't like. Either that math. He was a science teacher. I hated that guy. Yeah, my, mine was my homeroom teacher. I didn't pretty much care for my homeroom teacher. She kicked me out one time because during class, we were taking the 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 the. the, the the toss test back then it was called toss i think oh yeah that's... and so we were taking the test and like this girl was like i gotta go to the bathroom she's like just sit there you gotta take this test and i was like man if that was me i just go and take the bathroom she's like what did you say mr sanchez i was like i said if i had to go i'm gonna go all right go see the principal i was like what <laughs> i was protesting the bathroom god damn it. i was i was fighting for your right to take a leak <laughs> and i got in trouble behind this shit see so technically i was a freedom fighter before i even knew i was a freedom fighter damn straight <laughs> That that because this you call yourself a freedom fighter now because of that, Mike. Absolutely, I was fighting for your freedom to pee. I still fight for my freedom to pee because my wife tells me make sure to pick up the seat, make sure that you don't get it on the floor. I'm like, you know what? I'll pee where I want to pee when I pee. So now I just pee in the shower. 
Okay, that's not weird. Pee in the shower. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. You don't have to worry about seats or anything. It and all it washes yourself away. up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wash away, yeah. yeah. I don't know about that. You'll learn about man. that when you get older. You don't have a lot of time to sit down <laughs> and pee. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say I haven't done it, but but it's if I can if I can help it, I'll do that. So uh, I'm, now we just kind of got off tracks. So this is the funny thing. So we've been recording now for over an hour. Easily. The whole hour before, I neglected to hit the record button. So I'm sitting there looking at the thing, and I'm looking at the thing, and I'm looking at the thing, and it's like 23 minutes. Like, it's been 22 minutes or 23 minutes for a long-ass time, and it hasn't moved. I'm like, oh, my God, did I run out of memory? And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wait, there's no red light. We never recorded. Are we and recording so now? I, yeah, we're recording now. I'm looking at that red light. We are recording now. So these guys are like, really, Mike? You didn't record none of that? That was so, such a good conversation. It was a great conversation. It was. We're such a good conversation. Bad, nobody over here. But you know what? We, we we're going to need another gonna, bottle of bourbon. We're going to get back to it again. We're, gonna, we're definitely going to need another bottle of bourbon. We might even need another cigar again. <laughs> hey. I'm enjoying this so much, though, man. Let's keep going. Can we do? Uh, yeah, sure? we're gonna keep on. We're keep on. We got. Positive, we got. We got time. To, we, we got can, time to go. Still, we can do so, it again. So, <laughs> the cigar, like you said, it 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 comes from Dominican tobacco, right? But yeah, it, Nicaraguan, the, Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan tobacco. But it's it's made with Cuban seeds. So how did that how did that seed get to Nicaragua? That's what I'm curious the, about. Well, the what a bunch of people did was after after Castro and his little minions. Uh, of evil took over in 59 uh, a bunch of uh, the big cigar companies they took the um, they left they pretty much left like for example Cohiba went to Dominican Republic uh, and so a bunch of what they did was they took the seeds from Cuba and then took them all over the world and then that's how we have 100% Cuban seed in Nicaragua so they, they, they basically took the seeds out of Cuba mm-hmm. smuggled them And then start uh, growing them in Nicaragua. So is there something with the, with the All soil? All over the world. Is, is there something about the, the Nicaraguan soil that they... Yeah, it's, it, very, it's very similar to the Cuban one. I mean, of course, the Cuban, Cuban cigars uh, are, of course, world famous. Uh, but Cuban cigars are not what they used to be. Uh, right, my personal opinion and right now, Nicaraguan cigars are the best cigars in the world. And after that... Bare like close second will be Dominican cigars. And I, see, I've had Nicaraguan and I've had Dominican, and you're right. I mean, they're very close in in, in, in taste. They're very close mm-hmm. in how they burn. But as I was learning from you earlier, man, a lot of that just depends on how they're made. Yeah. And 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 and, and can I say this about your cigar? It is amazingly made. It is like you're saying about the touch near the near the uh, ash. How it's warm and not hot. Um, it's a firm cigar all the way through. It, it is. It's got the same flavor. I'm already. I'm already down to like the last. I want to say maybe quarter of this cigar, yeah. and I'm still getting the same flavor. I'm still getting great tobacco. I'm not getting that burnt flavor. I'm not getting that burnt ash taste. Because a lot of cigars, I can smoke about halfway, and when I get to the halfway point, they start getting like a sour yeah. kind of like a burnt flavor, and it's just like yeah, and really but, hot too. But this one right here, it's amazing all the way through. I could smoke this thing probably to the nub. Burn my, I could probably smoke it down to my finger, and it's probably going to have the same flavor because it's, it's just that good of a cigar. I don't cigar. think I have any toothpicks because some people put a little toothpick in it, and that's how they smoke it. They smoke they the really? They actually yeah. do that? Yeah, oh. people do it because if they want to smoke the entire thing, okay. then they do that. They stick a little toothpick at the very end of it and then just smoke the entire thing until there's barely anything left. 
Not even an inch left. That would be me too, right there. I like that. When I got when I like a good cigar, I'll do that. I'll, That's I our most popular like cigar because of the quality and its price point. I mean, it's an amazing cigar. I'm, I'm, I'm truly enjoying the cigar. So today, though, not only are we smoking a great uh, uh, cigar, but we're smoking a really great bourbon right out of Texas. It's, it's from the Yellow Rose Distillery, which is based out of here in Houston. Um, it is the Harris County. Uh, 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 it's called the Harris County, the, the, the bottle that we're, we're, we're drinking today. It's called the Harris County. It's, it's a really good premium uh, uh, um, bourbon from Yellow Rose Distillery. Um, they only make six thousand bottles of this. That's it. A year or a uh, no? In in general, there was only six thousand bottles released and allocated. What? Yes. You know when you first when you first told me it was going to be a Harris County bottle, it made me think of county, like you know? county, like prison. Like, yeah, your like mind jail, went straight jail, to prison. Yeah, yeah straight <laughs> to jail. I've been to Harris County before, and it's not a nice place. So I'm thinking, man, I hope this thing's way better than. You thought it was gonna be. You thought it was gonna be one of those bourbons that come up and fucking take your damn pound cake and tell you, "Give me your commissary, boy." <laughs> right? That's what you're you can't thinking. Have my commissary. You can't have your commissary. <laughs> <laughs> Inspector Lou said, "I'd be damned if you take my commissary." <laughs> but no, you can't have my cornbread. <laughs> but the, but I tell you what, this is a really good bourbon. In fact, there, I'm gonna do the uncorking again because we didn't get it earlier. We had it earlier, so let's do the uncorking of this real quick one more time. Here goes the bourbon. There you go. On the first try, You got baby. it right this time, Mike. Yeah. So Fourth time. It's got a nice caramel color. It's got a very nice caramel color, and, and I like that. So what you're supposed to smell in this is what they say is you're supposed to smell like a, a sweet caramel off, the, off of it, a little bit of raisin, toffee, um, and, and cinnamon. So like on my first smell of this, I smell, I smell the caramel. It's easy to smell that caramel. It's very strong. It's got a very strong caramel smell. I think if I really, um, really take a good sniff of it, you can really you can get the, kind of the cinnamon smell out of it too. But on my first taste, the, the caramel flavor was really there, and I kind of got the vanilla. Like it, it had a very good vanilla flavor um, off that first taste. And then of course, like I told you before, on that on that follow up at the very end, you get that nice mint kind of like that. You know, for that mint flavor at the very end, yes. So uh, it, it this is an amazing bourbon. Uh, like I said, Yellow Rose Distillery. It's here. It's based here out of Houston. Um, they make a bunch of other uh, uh, um, liquors. They have like a single malt. They have their their um, Harris County Number Two uh, recipe, which I think they only made like four thousand uh, four thousand bottles of that one. So this, it's kind of exclusive, but at the same time, it's really really good. Um, and the price point wasn't bad on this on this bottle. This bottle was like a, a forty seven dollar, almost forty eight dollar bottle uh, of bourbon, and it, it it drinks so well. We're halfway through this bottle already, and, and we just opened it up. Where, where'd you buy this at? I bought this at Specs. I bought it at Specs, and, okay. and I was like, I was like, let me give give me one of the best Texas uh, Texas based bourbons because I, I I try to to emphasize and I try to push Texas based products because i want people to know that texas is not only cowboys we're not only uh, barbecue uh, we're not only barbecue we're not only guns it's blazing but we're sophisticated we make great bourbon we have now we have great cigars coming out of out of here um so dude this is just a it's an amazing uh, uh combination of everything tonight so let me ask you something Addis. when you first came to texas what did you expect i mean from what you see in the movies from you see what you see in uh, you know culture what did well, you expect when you came down to Texas? What, what, what were your expectations? That's a good fucking question. Well, from... That is a good question. Well, from... Because uh, when we first got here to the United States in 2004, uh, we went to Miami, where probably every Cuban goes to. You know, and I lived there for... We lived there for about eight years. And I like to say, 
I was born in Cuba, but Miami raised me. So I'm all, I might live here, but I'm all Miami. You're all Miami, huh? Sports, everything. Water sports and everything. You were big into the water sports, into the beach scene, and, and all that. The cult, well, there's a big Cuban culture though in, in Miami, right? Like yeah, there's of a course. whole area. It's like Little yeah. Havana, they call it. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thir- uh, I mean, we're Cubans are the um, what's the? It's like thirty percent. Thirty percent of the Florida population is Cuban. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so more it, it, the most people that there are in Florida are Cuban people. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Um, well, when you say sports, you mean like, for example, like basketball, basketball baseball, baseball, football. I, I mean, I'm not a football guy, but if I got to cheer on the Dolphins, I'm cheering on the Dolphins. Okay. Even though they suck always. And I know that. And I don't follow the sport. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Miami Heat was good for a while. Yeah, this year we suck. That's the one team that I, I follow every day. I follow their Instagram. I follow every game. We lose every game this year. So, hey, there's always next year, people. So what brought you guys to Texas? Um, I, well, my dad, he, I remember in Cuba, he always used to say, I want to drive trucks. He always loved big 18-wheelers since I was a kid. And then he started doing that uh, with oil at that point. Well, and Big Lake era aceite, no? So he was working out of Big Lake. That's like seven hours from here. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, but... Uh, then from there, at that point, he, he came out a few months before us just to work and see the lay of the land, you know. Uh, and we were still in Miami. Then after that, he told, hey, everything's going great here. It's time to move. So we made the trip in vehicle to San Angelo, Texas. Oh, yeah. Um, I know San Angelo. That's where uh, the, the fire school is for the military. The, the I've, fire never, I've never been to San Angelo. Yeah, Air Force. There's a big Air Force base there. Yeah, yeah. But that's where you go to the fire school for all the all – the, uh, uh, for all the, the – for all the um, firefighters for the military, they all go there for training. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's okay. Angelo. At that part, I didn't, I didn't know. Angelo State I didn't know University out there. But uh, coming from Miami, the most alive place in the world, you know, you see everything, everyone. Going to San Angelo, a small, super quiet town. You're like, what the hell is this? Within two hours of us being in our apartment there, I'm like, how the hell do I go back? I, I'm not doing this. I'm not gonna lie. For the first few months, I hated San Angelo. And then you were looking like you go from looking at beautiful women every day. I'm sure in Miami, beautiful yeah. women to seeing. There's some pretty girls in San Angelo too. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, so there were some pretty girls. Yeah, so yeah, my. And you had to give up all your friends and everything. Give all my all my friends, but you know, crazy part thing is, I met my two best friends in San Angelo. I love San Angelo. If I had an option to live anywhere in the world, I'd love to live in San Angelo again. I love San- like I'm not the first few months I was there I hated it. But I met my two friends there that became my brothers. That's I mean, awesome. Unfortunately one passed away in the army. Oh, I'm uh, sorry to hear that, brother. My um, condolences. Yeah, but hey, he's with me. He's with me every day. I sleep I, I he has there's a picture of him right next to where I sleep. I that's see awesome, him. man. I that's, see him every cool. morning. You know. The guy is older he was a couple of months older than me. I'm short. He was shorter than me, skinnier than me. That guy. I remember there's a one time this guy. He thought I was talking or something like that, and the problem was actually with him because I was hanging out with him. He thought it was coming after me. That guy was way taller than me, and I was taller than my buddy. And I, I can't remember. Is is just said, "Hey man, go get Because uh, I was on ROTC at the time. I was going into the military. I wanted to go into the military at that point. Um, 
And he's like, hey, man, just get to the ROTC building. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I got this. He just stood right in front of me. He looked up and like, what's up? And I, I, I love I love that guy, man. I Best friend I've ever had. In what the was the name set up for you? Uh, Isaac, but uh, we called him Izzy. Well, I tell you what, this shot right here is for Izzy. Everybody take a bottle, a glass. Yeah. Let's give one shot for Izzy, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll this, one, this, one right, Izzy. this one's for Izzy. This one's for Izzy. That's why I only drink beer. You're supposed to sip it. <laughs> you're supposed to shoot it. <laughs> so this is why I like when we get people who don't drink bourbon often. Because everybody mistakes bourbon and whiskey for shooting. So whiskey is for shooting. Bourbon is meant for sipping. You're supposed to sip bourbon. And that way you get the flavor a little bit at a time. You don't get that, that right there. <laughs> I need another beer. I only drink beer, people. I don't drink, I don't drink rum. I don't drink whiskey. I don't drink tequila. Yeah, so whiskey is meant for, sh- for shooting. Oh. God. But bourbon is meant to sip. You're supposed to sip on the bourbon and get that flavor along. Now, rum and Cuba, because that's the only thing you got to drink in Cuba. You know, it's funny because you say in, in Cuba, it's all rum, right? So in the Philippines, it, it's all about rum, too. They have Tandawai rum. Really? And that's what everybody in the Philippines drinks, a lot of rum. So a lot of people don't know this, Mike, about you, but you were in the military and you were stationed in the Philippines, correct? I was stationed in Korea. In I got Korea. married in the Philippines. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. really? What branch? I was in the Army. Okay. I was in the Army. I did the Army for like four years. I was in Korea for two of those years, and I was in Aberdeen Proving Grounds down here. And, and so I traveled a lot. I met my wife, my ex-wife, in, in the <laughs> Philippines, uh, and, and I had uh, some wonderful kids. So I got some half Filipino, half Mexican kids. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. Best I, of both worlds, huh? I, well, yeah, because so they got my intelligence and my good looks, but they got their mom's metabolism. So, I mean, I'm a really big, fat dude. And my kids are really skinny dudes, so every time we go into public, people give me this weird look like, man, look at that guy. He starves his kids. Look how skinny they are, and look how fat he is. He eats all their food. <laughs> exactly. That's what they assume, that I eat all the food. But the fact is that they eat more than I do, and they're just super, super skinny. That's actually how a bunch of skinny people are. They eat more than everybody, and then they just remain skinny. I have a buddy of mine that's super, super skinny, and he gets these big-ass plates and just eats and eats and eats. And me, I barely eat. And I gain all these all this weight when I'm not training. You know, if I don't train, oh my god, jeez, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him. He's all skinny and shit. I'm like, man, fuck you. Oh, I am. <laughs> what are you heavy. talking about? I'm, fuck a, you. I'm, a he- I'm heavy. I might be a little bit built because all the training and all that, but I'm heavy right now. I'm fat. I got blubber and all that stuff. So by training, you say uh, you're an athlete. He's making right? me. He's making me self. He's making me self conscious over here. He's like, I got all this blubber. I'm like, what do you think this is? This isn't muscle. <laughs> Uh, I have, a, I have a, uh, my my buddy's uh, friend. He says um, he says uh, I'm not fat. I'm strong. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what though? A lot of this uh, you gotta think about it. So this is what people don't realize. They're like, oh, he's fat, but how's he so strong? Because you gotta think about this. You underneath, gotta carry all that weight underneath all this fat. Has to be muscle to be able to push his body around. So when you're over here pushing like 150, 140, whatever your body weight, I'm pushing 400 pounds every day. So you got to imagine the muscle that's behind this fat to get this body up and, and moving every single day. There's this guy in you be strong. that once said, hey, the only reason I don't have abs and I have this fat is because I'm protecting my abs. That's how much I love them. <laughs> that's right. Hey, I agree with him. I like that. I like that saying. I'm down for that. You protect your abs. That's, that's the difference. You know? So, so Alex. Um, I've been protecting them for a long time. Man. So you're saying when you're not working out. So what do you, what do, you do when you're not? doing the cigar shop because you say working out so do you have a reason for working uh, out or? well i start at the shop at 10 
that's when the shop opens and I leave around 5.30. At 5, then I get home, I change real quick and I head to the to the gym. I train, I'm a boxer. Oh, you're a boxer? Yeah. Awesome. So, amateur. Right. Amateur boxer. So so you're just getting into the whole process of, of boxing. Um, so what got you into boxing though? I mean, that's, that's I mean. I mean, I, I know, know I know Cubans have a long history of boxing. I mean, I think anybody down south has a history of boxing. I think again, boxing. I think is is, is I think the reason why it's so popular down south is because in, I feel like down south you have to fight for everything. I mean, nothing's given to you. I think it's a tougher environment. And 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 and, and as Latinos in general, we're very big on machismo, and we're all about respecting ourselves and and, and holding our own. And so I don't think we really back down from a fight when we're challenged on something that we believe to be true, to be, especially when it comes like to family. I think we're quick to, to, to our fists to yeah. protect our family. So I, I think, I think fighting is, is kind of, we're, it's built into us to fight. Even, yeah. even though I was born in Texas and, and I wasn't born in Mexico or anything like that, I have this like inherent desire to protect Patriot, my family. That patriotism. Yeah. That, like I, 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 like, you know, I, I'm not a big fighter, but. I'd be damned if you, you come at me sideways or my family. I'm not going to pick my fist yeah. up, but I'm going to swing. Yeah. Uh, I think we're all built with that. I think, I think uh, when, you, like, you, when you come from Cuba, when you come from that kind of environment, when you come from the struggle that you came to get over here, that fire is just already lit in you. It's burnt in you, and, and I think we use that fire to become fire. So I think it, 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 it's cool that you're a fighter. And everything. My I mean, son took boxing. I don't know where I got boxing. it from, though. You don't know where you got nobody, it from? Nobody in my family likes that I'm fighting, and nobody in my family has ever fought. It's usually a, we're like baseball. So your, your dad's like not a, a baseball family. You're you're oh, so you're a big baseball family. So your dad's not a boxer. Your dad's not a boxer. No, he doesn't understand how where I got it from. I mean, I know where I, Eddie. When I got it, from. you're not a boxer, Eddie. He's not no, because he era un boxeador como yo. Pero estoy diciendo nadie en la familia nosotros de boxeo. You're you're a lover. Que tú no sabes dónde. Que tú no sabes dónde yo saqué eso para boxeo. You know, but he was a national champion Cuban wrestling. Oh, wrestling! You were a wrestler. Not, cool. not like WWE. Like it's like wrestling. Like real wrestling. Like real wrestling. Like, wrestling. Like, okay. Roman yeah, yeah, wrestling. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's awesome. So you were a wrestler. So, so, huh? Long time ago. He's like, I ain't wrestling like shit early, right now. Early nineties. <laughs> that's where you got it from. And he goes, the only thing I wrestle now is my pants in the morning to get them on. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I don't know how, how much that is. In 38 the, kilograms? I don't know how much that Very is. Very skinny. <laughs> he said, he, he said I, don't, I don't believe him, but he said, the you know, the, a quarter like this, and then you can put it like that. He said he, 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 he could tighten his chest so much he could hold the, coat, the quarter. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Back in the day, I don't, huh? I don't believe him. You don't believe him no more now, huh? <laughs> so, so, Eddie, right now you're not a fighter. You're a lover. He's a lover. Yeah, there we go. So, 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 in a way, then you probably got the desire to fight from your dad, even though he he chose wrestling, you chose boxing. Well, in but, Cuba, they choose for you. Oh, they choose for you. Yeah. So, so for for your dad, yeah, in he, Cuba, he had the body shape for for an I awesome guess, wrestler. I, I guess that's a, because in Cuba, it's a, it's a it's like a pyramid system. Uh-huh. They go to your school while you're at school, and they they a bunch of coaches from a bunch of different and they teams, assess you, and they like assess you and says. Uh, this guy will be good for this sport, or this guy will be good for that sport, and I guess that's what they so do. So that's kind of how they do uh, uh, China, if I remember correctly, because like uh, like Jet Li was on the national uh, Chinese kung fu team, and that's because at school they went and assessed him and found he had an affinity for for kung fu. So he went to a special school that all he did was focus on yeah. kung fu. 
He was actually a fighter before he was a movie star, which is crazy because the opposite of Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan went to a, a school for acting and performing. So he learned all these martial arts for performing purposes. Actually. Whereas Jet Li did it for fighting. There's this, I don't know if you've ever heard the story. It's on YouTube uh, about Jackie Chan. Uh, I'm actually going to tell you a story and you're going to be surprised at the end of it. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Jackie Chan, when he first started, he was doing a lot of extra work. And he was on this movie uh, doing extra work. And then the main character or the main actor, he was, he was doing this scene. And he was hitting people with like a, I think it was a bamboo stick or nunchucks. I can't remember exactly what the, what weapon it was in the story. But it was supposed to be for a fake hit. But when it was Jackie Chan's turn, he uh, actually hit him. And Jackie's like on the floor like, he said like the eyes rolled in the back of his head. And he's like, oh, man. And then the guy, as soon as he kept acting, but as soon as they yell, they yell cut, they're like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? He's like, hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Jack, Jackie Chan. They're like, oh, okay. Uh, and then Jackie said during the day, every time this guy would see him, he'll be like, you know, point it at him and be like, are you okay? And I kept asking him. And then he said that as extras work, they didn't pay you much. But if they stayed longer and he chose, the main guy chose, uh, they would pay you more. So he kept choosing Jackie, I guess, to kind of like pay him back for hitting him. And then at one point, he started talking to him. He's like, hey, so what style are you learning? And he's like, oh, I'm learning Southern style or something like that. You know who that guy was? Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee? No way. Yeah, Bruce Lee. So Bruce Lee was the one who actually discovered Jackie Chan and gave him his first shot in the in the movie industry. No way. I yeah, didn't he, know that. He followed around Bruce Lee and, 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 and did everything Bruce Lee asked because Bruce Lee was the boss. But at the time, he didn't even know who Bruce Lee was. He's like, he was sitting there following this guy and he was helping him do his things and he was doing the shots and scenes. And then the guy's like, yeah, I'm Bruce Lee. He's like, oh, my God, I didn't, I didn't yeah. even know. He didn't, he didn't even know it was Bruce Lee because he was just an extra and he was just working, like he yeah. said. Yeah, I, I saw that on, on, on Netflix and they did a whole backstory behind yeah, uh, uh, Kung Fu and how everybody came through it. But yeah, but uh, Jackie Chan uh, was influenced. And, and, and When I was a little kid, I wanted to learn karate and Kung Fu and because I, I just saw Jackie. Jackie Chan, to me, was like Bruce Lee was like for my dad. I see Bruce Lee was was what Jackie Chan is for you. Bruce Lee was that for me because I watched yeah for sure all the Bruce. I used to watch all those kung fu movies on Saturdays oh, on man. on Channel Thirty Nine. Remember oh, all them kung fu movies do where they would be like you killed my father and then like the mouth was still the mouth moving was after the, the lip sync was when well, lip sync was terrible and yeah. like the master had this long white yeah. hair and he would just stand there and they couldn't hit him he would just move his shoulders and they just couldn't touch him i was yeah, like dude yeah, yeah. that's what i want to be exactly, when i grew yeah. up i remember me, being yeah. a kid like that i remember being a kid and and watching them watching those those uh those movies with my dad and my cousins and my and after the movie after the movie was over we we're like okay we got to practice this we got to do this we got to learn you know, we get, we, get, we got to learn how to shoot. We beat, beat each other up, trying to kick. Beat the hell out of each other. You just couldn't do what they did. <laughs> that, that's, that's cool, though, but that, that's, that's, that's a very 100% true. So that, but, again, that goes back to Jackie Chan. He was learning martial arts for theater, for, for performance acts, yeah. whereas uh, Jet Li was doing it because he was actually part of the national Chinese team. He actually came to America way before we knew he was in America because he was, like, a national champion. He was, like, the youngest uh, black belt, I think, in oh, Kung Fu and stuff like that. He was... Yeah, he, so he was a real yeah. fighter. So that's why a lot of times if you watch uh, Jet Li films, there's a lot of times in films where actors get caught off surprise is because the camera couldn't keep up with Jet Li because he, he would get into a fight scene and he would forget he's filming a fight scene. So he would move like he really moves. Yeah. And he would catch the actors by surprise. And they'd be like, oh, my God. They had to happened? slow down. Yeah, they had to slow, had down, to slow down, and, down. And they would tell him, like, okay, uh, you did great, Jet Li. Uh, don't worry. And so a lot of, like, um, 
There was this uh, one film, uh, Kiss of the Dragon, where Jet Li's like this. He's like this. Um, he's like this international uh, Chinese like uh, government official, and he's in France. So there's this one scene where he's got to grab this guy, pull him over the table, and hit him. Right. Well, they said, they said, uh, 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 you know, they they clicked the thing to start the scene. Well, everybody was still getting in position. Well, Jackie Chan already grabbed the guy, yanked him across the table. This guy was completely in shock. Like, what the fuck happened? And and, and that was a true reaction because they weren't ready for it. And he just and just grabbed them. And that was such a good scene. The expression of the actor's face was so great. They used that scene in the oh, movie wow, look at that. because it was yeah, because it was just so I, organic. Some, somebody that was actually a real fighter too, and and everybody thought he was just an actor, but he was a, he's actually who. Uh, uh, Oh man, I forgot his name now. Uh, from Chuck Kombat. Norris. No, not Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris was a real fighter. No, too, no, though. I know he was a but the who I'm talking about. Uh, Johnny from you know Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was based on him. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Van Van Dam. Uh, uh, John Claude Van Dam. Yeah, yeah. He was actually a real fighter, and people thought he was just a movie star, and that's who Johnny Cage is based on. Oh, I don't Johnny know Cage, that. Makes sense. that makes Johnny sense. Cage in the story of Mortal Kombat, he's a real fighter, but he's just a movie star. Yeah, and it, people it, thought he was just an actor doing a bunch of stunts. And, and that fits. That fits because you know Johnny Cage was very um, arrogant, and so was uh, uh, John Claude Van Damme. Van Damme. But he he was actually a real fighter Bloodsport, though. Man, yeah, I love Bloodsport. That was a great movie back in the day. That's crazy. So we went from cigars to kung fu movies. So, but you know what? You get a lot of those movies like that in Cuba, right? You get a lot of the older movies and stuff like that. Yeah, of course, because in Cuba, of course, you know, it's like a. Um, Cuba, there's first world countries and third world countries, and then there's Cuba. Cuba's a fifth world country, you know, cars from the 50s. Uh, we have no freedom. We can't, you know, the government controls everything. If you say anything bad about the government, you get put in prison or executed. Um, so the people might say that they think that Cuba has the best medicine in the world or some crap like that. That's the stupid stigma that idiots nowadays think that's how it works. The reason. You're smoking that cigar, and that cause that that cigar is called Ponciano. The only reason my grandfather died in 2009 because of that damn government and that damn health court system. He had a heart attack in the morning, and there was no ambulance to take him from the clinic to the actual hospital. Wow, that's that sucks, dude. You know what? No fuzzy. One more shot for your for your grandfather. Well, man. I don't have any. Yeah, here, let me let me get you a little bit. Patria vida, people. Padre Vida. Padre Vida. That, that, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it this time. Don't, 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 don't shoot it, just sip it. That's all you gotta do. Okay. Sip. Salud. 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 What was your grandfather's name again? Ponciano. Ponciano. For Ponciano, everybody. Still, man, I only drink beer, like I said. Just a sip, just a sip. You're supposed to sip it just a little bit. No, me dijo que no me lo tirara. <laughs> but anyways, uh, my I mean, grandfather, I gotta shoot. So it. when when you say when you say that um, you guys have, <laughs> <laughs> he's not a bourbon drinker. <laughs> he need, he needs a Corona chaser for that. <laughs> so I I don't know too much about Cuba. Um, uh, besides the stuff that you were telling us just a little while ago, but like for example, I saw on uh, one of the Fast and Furious movies about. Uh, um, about Cuba with the old cars that they have. Is yeah. that really the way it is? It's yeah, not yeah, nothing but old cars. So, so you don't have like 20, 23 cars over there, you know, I like mean, really. They, yeah, they do, but the, the corrupt government does. Just the government, but like the regular citizens don't have. Yeah, so like their cars. cars over there, they're older cars. They're not really older cars, though. They're like. 
They're just they're a put shell. together. They're, they're yeah, the it's just a shell. They're put together with like tractor parts and other yeah, parts my, that they can get together. Yeah, my grandfather. To make the truck, he has a nineteen a nineteen forty nine Dodge. Yeah, he has a nineteen forty nine Dodge. Um, forty eight or forty nine. I can't I can't remember which one now. But it has a tractor engine in it and a Honda differential. What? Yeah, dude. See, so they they right. basically put the cars together with the shells. Yeah. I've seen, but that's why some of them run really, really fast, though. And they run. Uh, I mean, here here they would not be street legal. Oh, absolutely, uh, not. absolutely not because of emissions, because of the speed, because yeah, of the, yeah. everything in it. But over there, I mean, they're everywhere, and the, they're, they're some amazing. Cars I've seen some with boat engines. Don't they run backwards? The boat engines? I don't know how it works, but hey, that's the one thing I say. If we in Cuba had the possibility have technology. And the school systems and all that that we have here, we've made some pretty amazing shit in Cuba. Uh, because the ingenuity we have to have to make a car that's over seventy years old work with definitely. a bunch of duct tape, because it's with duct tape basically. I've also seen one with um, with a washing machine engine. What? How a the hell is that? Machine engine, dude, that's that fucking crazy. I don't know. And not an American washing machine, a crappy Russian washing machine. What? From like, because in the 80s, Russia had deals with Cuba and they gave them a bunch of shit. Wow. So you guys basically have to take what y'all got and, and make, make it, it into something what you need. You take what you got and you turn it into what you need. I saw a guy build a speaker from an old oil bottle. Like an actual working speaker with, like, you plug it in and everything. I'm, I'm not going to lie, though. I've, seen, I, I've heard stories like that in prison. Where they could take, they could take like books and stuff like that, carve and cut out the the stuff and turn them into speakers and stuff. Like, like it that. actually had amps and he could yeah, plug yeah. it into the wall and everything. I don't know how the hell that worked. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just all because of that government. So maybe maybe MacGyver was really Cuban. You ever thought about that? <laughs> MacGyver was probably Cuban. You know MacGyver from the TV series. He he could make anything out of anything. Oh yeah. Maybe yeah, he yeah. was Cuban. Maybe like on his mom's side or something. <laughs> yeah, we have Cuban coffee here if you want some. Oh no, I heard Cuban coffee is really really Strongest strong. Strongest coffee in the world. Yes, I've never tried Cuban. You coffee You take a little before. bit, a little cup. What, uh, it's like an espresso it? shot because it's so strong. I mean, so if you drink really? it now, you probably won't be in bed till like four. Wow, I'll take one. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll try a shot of Cuban I've coffee. Never, I've never tried Cuban coffee before. So. Yeah. So, you know what? Getting back to the whole uh, thing with the podcast, though, with the cigars and everything like that. Oh, yeah. I, I want to hear. We just I, I know. We can just talk about everything today. But I want to get a That's little bit more of the history the of, of your tobacco, though. Because, uh, again, you told us right now that, that, that one of the people um, that made uh, their, their, their field was right beside your great grandfather's field. Was the uh, who was that again? That, that his first cousin, Rubina. Rubina. Okay, but that's not where it stops for you guys. You guys have ties with a bunch of other major manufacturers that you knew back in the day. Your oh, your dad was yeah, friends my, with somebody, yeah, right? Yeah, my 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 dad. He grew up with AJ Fernandez. Anybody who knows cigars you know, knows, who knows AJ cigars, Fernandez. Their ears just pricked up. Wow. Uh, you know. So your dad uh, and him were buddies. They were they, they were high they school, school to, buddies. They, were, they were, grew up together since kids. They actually used to sell meat together in Cuba. Wow. <laughs> so your dad used to sell meat. He used to be yeah, a meat. A, a meat my, no, my dad. My, my dad always had this thing. He was never going to work for the government. Because my, my dad always hated the Cuban government. I mean, I, I, I've always hated the Cuban government too. So, you know, he said, I'm going to work. Where people just pay me cash and I don't have to report anything to the government. So the meat thing was he he, he they they got their own meat they, yeah, they yeah, slaughtered yeah. it. I can't cut tell it down you how many times the cops got them. 
And they was always asking for some paperwork or some BS. Ain't that crazy where even meat becomes something illegal that you can't really just... Oh, oh, here's something for your viewers. Lobster and beef is illegal in Cuba. It's illegal? It's illegal? Illegal. I'm talking about if they catch you with it, you get 20 years in prison. If you get caught with lobster, you get 20... Or, or, or beef. What? So then what do y'all usually eat over there? Is there a lot of pork? pork? That's basically our main, di- our main dish, pork and chicken. So how do you feel towards pork now? Oh, I, I mean, I love pork. You still love pork, I though? Love okay, pork. great. I mean, but I am a hamburger connoisseur. 100%. <laughs> I can eat one every day. Gracias. Every day, and I'll never get tired of it. That is my favorite food ever, hamburgers. I love it because I never How about been steak? Cuban. Oh, I love I love steak, but I'd rather have a burger anyway. You rather have a burger? So what? Uh, so that's just talking about burgers, and we're talking. So, as everybody knows on this podcast, we we always start talking about the cigars. We always talk about the bourbon, but it always leads into other conversation. And that's what I love about smoking cigars and drinking bourbons because it starts with that, but it leads off to different things. So, like now we're talking about burgers. So, what is your favorite burger here in, in the? In Texas that you've tried it. I mean, obviously, you got a burger spot where you like to go and get burgers. Well, unfortunately, the spot is no longer open. It's right across the street. Uh-oh. It's called Big Humphreys. And if you're from Pearland, you know Big Humphreys. It was here for years. It was an Italian restaurant. And what an Italian restaurant has to do with doing burgers, I have no idea. You know? Yeah, usually when you think about burgers, you don't think about an Italian restaurant. That's for sure. No, not at all. It is the best burger I ever had in my life. Uh, Unfortunately, I, if if somebody out there knows and listened to who was cooking in that kitchen, like in 2017 to 18, get get back in the kitchen and make some more burgers, or let us know where kitchen. you're at. Let us know where you're at, because where Hub are you working? Because Hubcap Grill, they bought that place out. I mean, I've went in there; it's a good burger, but it's and not the it's same not as it was. Companies. It's not big. Well, just real quick to uh, to to jump in there real quick, um, and not about burgers, but. Your dad just gave us this Cuban coffee, and I took my first sip, and I do not like coffee at all. This is It's this the most is concentrated good. coffee this in the is, world. This is so good. It don't taste like it, though. It, it tastes yeah, good. It tastes, it tastes, sweet. Good. It tastes nice. Like, yeah. this is, You're going to be wired till like 4 a.m. I mean, because it's technically not made how it's supposed to be made. It's a Cuban coffee. It's done in this thing like that. Uh, it's. I don't know how to do it. I know how to do it there because you just hit a button. But it, it, there's a there's an art form to it, you know. Well, it's just like cigars. There's an art to making coffee. There's an art to making cigars, and that's the things like like this stuff that I like, like like bourbon cigars. There's arts behind all this stuff, and I think that's what makes cigars amazing. Your cigar, by the by the way, I'm done with it. it it's already done. It, it's at the very like, before before you finish. I want you to try some. This is the most Cuban thing you can do in Cuba. What traditionally what people do is they dip the end of the cigar into their cube into their coffee. Yep. Into the coffee? Yep. The end the, of the cigar? The, the back end? The back end, yeah. Okay. Okay, let me try that, too. I, 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 I haven't heard about that. I, I got enough right here. So, and then you keep smoking it? Yeah. Wow, that's actually really good. You get the coffee flavor off of it, and you get the cigar. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, when I'm at the nub, I'm at the nub. Like, like I'm fingertip yeah, yeah, open yeah, yeah, the cigar. And it's still if you got had a, the you same. You need a toothpick right now, It's basically. got the same flavor still. It's got the, it's no burnt. It's mm-hmm. still the same flavor. This is amazing. Your cigar is... A, Eddie, I want to tell you right now, brother, you've made, by far, out of all the cigars, this is my favorite so far. This is amazing. This is amazing. Glad Alex, you like it. you guys make an amazing cigar, brother. Glad you guys like it. This, um... So, 
This is really different from over here, too. So the, the, yeah, co uh, the coffee with the cigar. Yeah, that, in Cuba, people do that. They actually used to dip it in rum, too. But I don't I'm really I did notice the earlier when your dad was smoking his cigar, the, he, the first thing he did was dip the back end into the bourbon. And it helped with the flavor. <laughs> so that is awesome. Oh, I, 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 like I don't, it. I like it. Yeah, I, I like I'm, it. I'm, now I feel like I have to go out and buy some Cuban uh, coffee. So when I smoke my cigars, so I can that dip coffee you can only get in Miami. <clears throat> Only in Miami? Yeah. So y'all have it brought in from Miami? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that is... I mean, you can get an Amazon, though. Okay, now But Amazon. it comes from so, Miami. Speaking of that, where can people get your cigars? I mean, uh, I mean, do they have to come to your shop to get them? To get, like, for example, the Ponciano, the one you're smoking, it can only be found here. But our regular cigars, they pretty much be found in all, all on, in Houston because we carry they a lot of shops in Houston carry our regular stuff. Are you on the internet? Is anywhere? Yeah, we have a website. You have a website? Yeah, yeah. Cool. You want to you want to plug that real quick? Yeah, uh, enacigars.com. Okay, so enacigars.com. So can could they order the the Palenciano on there if they wanted to? The Palenciano on internet is Well, yeah. Right now we're actually. Redoing the website right okay, now. Okay, so they can't get that one. That they can one. get all your other they cigars. They can get the regular stuff. The regular stuff, basically. If you want the premium stuff, high end stuff, you probably gotta want to come into the shop. I want to try some of that regular stuff. I, 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 tell, this, this I tell you really what, dude, it's pretty good. So I, I tell you what, if, if you're too. in the Pearland area, you, this is a must stop. If you're a cigar connoisseur, you have to stop at ENA Cigars and pick up one of these cigars because it's amazing. This by by far is easily. My favorite cigar. And and I haven't been smoking a lot. So this is what I was telling your dad earlier. Because he asked me how many cigars have I smoked or how many I do. And, and, and I really just started this maybe about a, a year ago. I started smoking cigars. Okay. Uh, a really good friend of mine. He's also the uh, the co-founder the co, the co -founder of uh, Smell My Bourbon. His name is Dave Jokes. Okay. He couldn't be here with us today. Uh, he, he'll be with us probably in the next episode. Um, but he's the one that got me into cigars. We were uh, So... When I'm not smoking cigars and I'm not doing the bourbon thing, I'm a comedian. I do comedy uh, on the side. That's what okay. that's what I do. Is I'm a stand-up comedian. So is Dave Jokes for stand-up comedians, and that's how we got started. So when we were doing uh, touring across the state, and we were in Corpus Christi, um, we, we we had a lot of downtime at the hotel. <laughs> we we did we were doing a Friday Saturday night show. So we got there early Friday, did the show. So Saturday morning we had nothing to do all day. So he's like, "Hey, let's go into the cigar shop." So we went and we tried. Um, uh, so cigars and he like he smokes cigars on the regular. He's okay. a, he's he's the big conversor. So I'm gonna end up having to pick some of these cigars and take it to him because this is an amazing cigar. But um, he's the one that got me into it. So the first cigar I ever tried was a uh, Tahuate. I think what it was called. It was a, a Tahuate. Is, uh, that's all I remember from the name. I'm very bad with names. Yeah. Mike, I've never seen you actually smoke a cigar out to the roach like that. Like you're smoking Dude, it right I, now. You know why? Because most time I smoke the cigars, by the time they get a little bit past midway. I start getting an ashy kind of taste and a, and a sour taste. I don't get that with this. I want to smoke this all the way till I can't hold it no more, honestly, because I'm enjoying it so much and it's so it just tastes so good. It tastes so yeah. good. It's so smooth. I I, 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 I we're gonna, say, we're hey, gonna have to this, bring this out two picks. I'll, I'll bring some two picks. Let me finish this thing off. <laughs> this is an amazing cigar, but yeah, you, you guys got a great cigar here. Um, I think. America needs to know about your cigars for sure. They got to this. This is a cigar that needs to be out there. I mean, you, you're sitting on top of a of a gold mine right here with a cigar. That's that's it's the amazing. Thing. People just need to give us an opportunity. The the only reason I can't tell you how many times people have come in here and they don't know that we sell our own stuff. They come in and they're like, 
oh, I'm looking for so and so. I'm like, sorry, you know, we only sell our own. And stuff. then they leave because they and don't then want because they, they don't they don't know our brand, you know. And I try to explain to them like, trust me, man, you probably gonna like this more. And they don't wanna they don't wanna do it. And so that's they, what we try to the, they go for the name brands. Exactly. And, and see, that's what we try to do with this with this podcast because again, I'm a novice uh, smoker. I don't do it often, and and I don't have the history or the the expertise to to talk about the cigars. But I want to. Uh, this podcast was meant. For the novice smoker, somebody who's just getting into it, is just learning, and they're learning with us. If they're listening to our podcast, they're learning the cigars with us. And so that's what's great about, I think, of our podcast is because we're going to reach out to everybody that we know, um, Texas-wide and local, and we want to present that to everybody that's listening uh, to let them know, hey, you know what? Sometimes the brand names aren't the only thing out there that's amazing. There's a lot of local shops that are amazing. This cigar, by far, is amazing. It's probably, like I said, it's one of my favorites, hands down. And I'm not saying that because we're here with you. Yeah. I'm saying that because legit, I've never, like he said, he's never seen me smoke this thing to a nub. I want to smoke this more, but I can't hold it because now it is getting too far where I can't hold it no more. Um, but it's an amazing cigar, dude. Y'all, y'all produce an amazing product, and 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 I love the history behind your cigar. I think that's why I like the cigar. Tastes great. What makes me love the cigar is the history behind it. The fact that this is from generations and generations of your family. That, that that have grown these fields, you've grown in the, you've grown these fields, you water these fields, and and so this tobacco, you know exactly where it's coming from. You know the the history behind this tobacco. When you're selling us a cigar, you can tell us the story behind it, and and I think that's amazing. I think that's that's a great thing is it is because you can feel the family pride behind the cigar. It's not commercial. It's not over product. Yeah. It's not something that they're, they're mass producing where there's no feeling no more behind only it. Only 300. Our rollers can only produce 300 cigars a day and that's it. We want quality over quantity. That that's where amazing. it's at right there, the quality. And this is this is good quality. It, it's, it's per, I mean, it's not only 300 a day. It's per roll, rollers because it's two rollers for each, for each cigar. So 600... You know? So you, this particular cigar, you can only get 600 of these a day. 300 from each two rollers. Right, so that's 600 total. So we have five two, we have five rollers. Oh, okay. So, I mean, when I say five rollers, I mean, when I, rollers means two. So two people is what I mean. So we have 300, uh, 600, 900, uh, 12... 15, about fifteen hundred a day. About fifteen hundred a day. That that and, and, and as far as production, as, as far as production for cigars, that's nothing. That not that's very minimal. So that you're getting a great quality cigar. So again, if you guys are in Pearland, you need to come down to E and A Cigars. Uh, it's what fifty seven forty Broadway Street. Yeah, fifty seven forty Broadway Street. On the outside, it's very inconspicuous. You wouldn't even know it was here. No, nope. it just looks like a little bitty. Like it was, it was dark. In fact, when we were turning down the street, you're like, "Mike, are we going into a neighborhood?" You were kind of like, you were a little bit hesitant when we were coming in, right, Lou? Yeah, but that's where most of the places, most of that's where some of the best things come exactly. from. Exactly, that's what I like to call a hidden gem. This is a hidden gem. This is an amazing cigar. I mean, this is, and then the stories, the history behind it is amazing. The fact that you know what your dad brought to us, and 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 the and and the journey from from Cuba to 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 Nicaragua to to Miami. It's amazing, and you know, brought an amazing product. I mean, and it's just amazing. I'm, 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 I'm overusing amazing now. I'm just like, I'm a fan, dude. I think I'm gonna buy some cigars um, before we leave. We, we I know you are. You're gonna buy us a whole case because you're Lou <laughs> the inspector with all the money. <laughs> so, and, and again, again, like I was saying before, dude, the cool thing about it is it brings us together. Nowhere else we've been able to to 
to have a cigar and have this conversation and learn so much that we learned about about Cuba, about the history. Meet Alex here, uh, uh, you know, a future. Dude, we could be sitting right now having bourbon, cigars, with a future freaking heavyweight champion of the world. Or, uh, you're not heavyweight, I'm are not you? that fat. You're, you're batting weight, right? Yeah, feather. Featherweight. That's where I'm supposed to be fighting. Featherweight. So I got so, like 40 pounds to lose. So a featherweight, we could be sitting with a featherweight champion of the world. So Alex, when you get big and you hit that championship bill, just remember that 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 Inspector Lou and Mike were here. I'm gonna from say Smell that to bourbon. you when you're like doing movies with Kevin Hart and stuff like that. <laughs> don't don't be like, hey Kevin, do you like cigars? You go down to to Pearland. So I, I have yeah, right. um, on my Twitter. My Twitter is is, is Magic Mike Triple XL. That's my Twitter account name, right? Magic Mike. Magic Mike Twitter. Yeah, because I always told everybody. Those when are actually they pretty interesting movies. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they are, but was, my thing was really I've never seen. Any I of those. actually saw them three days ago. All three, back to back to back. They're pretty good. They're very, they're actually interesting. I thought when I first, I was like, this is just a chick movie. It's not a chick movie. It's what? like an actual. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Movie. It's a cool movie. But the reason I say Magic Mike Triple XL is because Magic Mike One and Two, Fluffy was in there as a DJ. Oh yeah. So I was like, if they make a third one, he's probably not going to do it because he he's too big now. They did. It came out like last month. Did they? Yeah, yeah. I saw well, yeah, it. I, okay. I missed my opportunity. I, I should have been in that oh, goddamn he, movie. He wasn't in the movie though. See, I was supposed to be in that movie because I was supposed to be the fat DJ comic relief and the third movie. That's why my Twitter name yeah, it was wasn't Magic Mike Triple XL. <laughs> it would have been better if I would have been in it. Probably. It would have been better if I was in it. It was like a different story. It, it, it None have, of the main ca- characters were in there. It didn't have the comic relief. It. Fluffy made those movies. He made the comic relief. Even though Fluffy was a gangster the first time, though, he, it, it he went in there and beat the hell out of Chad and Tatum. <laughs> Not him. Some two other dudes. I, I remember it because I saw it like two days ago. So, no, no, it wasn't him. It was like some other two dudes that. But it, it, anyways, it, it, that was my thing was like I want to be that, that, that person one day. I want to do movies one day, but that would be cool. But, you know, you got to find room for the, the heavy Hispanic guy in some of these movies. We're, we're only background. We're never ever hey, the lead man. hey. Gabriel Iglesias opened a door right there. Well, so this is the cool thing about uh, comedy. So, so I think this on this movie, uh, Sama Hayek kind of took his place. So I think Sama Hayek uh, took your spot, Mikey. Sorry. I, I can't compete with Sama yeah, Hayek. She's, a, gotta, she's, she's a queen. She's hot in it. Like, she's always been hot. Dude, she's a queen, though. I mean, besides her that being hot. That movie wasn't that good. But, 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 but <laughs> besides her being hot as hell, though, she, she's she's a queen, dude. She She's done so much for the Latinos in, in movies and in industry. And uh, from what I understand, she's a really down-to-earth person, so I, is, yeah, you can't take anything away from her. But, um, yeah, though, um, so it, it's funny because you, you, for you, Gabriel Iglesias is what opened up comedy. For me, I remember the original the original Latin Kings of comedy, the real guys that brought Latinos to the forefront in comedy. And that was that was Chich Marin, Paul Rodriguez, oh, yeah. uh, Willie, Willie Barcina. Yeah. I've, I've heard George, lately that he's not, very, Lopez. he's not very he's not very popular. Alec, like Alex so- Raimundo, the red Mexican, that dude was I mean oh, yeah, so, that guy's so, funny. So the original Latin Kings of Comedy, uh the original uh Latin Kings of Comedy comedy show that which which was on HBO back in nineteen eighty five was four comics. It was George Lopez, Alex Raimundo, uh Paul Rodriguez, and Cheech Marin. So everybody knows Cheech from the Cheech and Chong movies. Uh everybody knows Paul Rodriguez because he was in a lot of the Cheech and Chong movies. He, was, he also had his own movies. He's and, and he had some pretty good movies, too. Uh, Back in the day. Yeah. I remember one that was, uh, it was called something. A Million, for, a million, a million for One. A Million for One. It was a great movie. I love that movie. That was such a good movie. That had uh, the guy from uh, Stand and Deliver in it. 
um, uh, the teacher. The What's teacher, the teacher, yeah, Edward James almost. Edward James almost. It was that movie. Remember, he was like the the Godfather, or whatever. They gave him the the wishes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So Alex Raimundo was also part of that group, and George Lopez. So what's crazy is that I've I've actually had the privilege to meet and know Alex Raimundo, oh, really? and the guy is he's amazing. He is down to earth. He is so cool. In fact, I actually have him coming to Pasadena March eighteenth. At Pasadena, he's going to be doing the Winners Comedy Room in Pasadena, and I'm also going to be doing a show with him. Uh, uh, March seventeenth in Sugarland. Oh, really? Okay, so I, cool. I'm, I'm actually bringing him down to Texas. We're doing Victoria March eleventh. Um, on March seventeenth, we're doing Sugarland. March eighteenth, we're doing Pasadena, and then March uh, twenty, uh, March nineteenth. March nineteenth, we're doing San Antonio. I I gotta ask, what does that take to be a comedian, man? Because I I always because I, I always looked at comedians. I my favorite comedian growing up was Dane Cook. And I don't care about that crap out that he stole jokes. I don't think he did. He probably did. I don't know. But uh, Dan Cook, I love the Burger King joke. That was like the, that was my bread and butter. I love so that So my, my thing is, like, I don't think comics truly steal jokes. I think they steal the idea. Well, it's not even steal the idea. It's just, okay, if you think about it in life, there's only so much shit you can talk about. So it, it, it's, 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 it's expected that you're going to at some point talk about the same stuff. Yeah. He just, made, he just did it better. He, you know, he got it out there and... and and made people laugh. And so, like, oh, well, he stole that joke. Well, maybe he didn't steal the joke. Maybe he, he had the same idea as somebody else, and it was very similar. But his, his is what got put out there. He's, um, there's actually a joke that I do about Star Wars. About I saw you, that one. I saw that one About on the Chewbacca, internet, yeah. right? About Chewbacca. I love Star Wars. Let me hear it. Uh, okay. So, my whole, <laughs> so the whole joke goes like this. I'm making you work now. Hey, it's okay. I don't mind. So the whole joke was this. This is the, the premise for the joke. My joke was like, you know, in the future, there's no Mexicans. If you watch movies, you watch Alien, Star Wars, and Star Trek, there's no Mexicans in the future, you know? But then if you go back and you watch Star Wars and you realize something very closely, pay attention. Chewie's just a big, hairy Mexican, right? His name is Chewie. He's brown. He rolls his R's better than any other Mexican. He's like, right? <laughs> He's a mechanic. Yeah. And he rolls around the, he rolls around the, 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 the galaxy with smugglers. That's got cartel written all yeah, over yeah, it. Yeah, for real. Right? Yeah, he's got to be right. Mexican, yeah. So he's got to be Mexican. So I did that joke, right? And then uh, I want to say a few years later, um, uh, 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 Felipe Esparza referenced that joke on one of his jokes on Netflix. He talks oh, really? about it. He goes, yeah, I heard about a comedian. And he was saying, like, Chewy was a Mexican and because he's brown and he rolls his R's and he's a mechanic. But then he goes, I think R2-D2 is a real Mexican because Arturito. he, yeah, Arturito. <laughs> he goes, he even sounds Mexican. So you've heard the joke then? No, I've heard that the R two D two thing Arturito. from from Felipe Esparza. Because I thought when I was a kid, I thought it was Arturito also. Yeah, so <laughs> that makes sense. I, I can't, I can't prove for a fact that the joke he's referencing is mine, but that's the joke I do, and he almost did it word for word. So a lot of people were when that came out, they were sitting, Mike, he's doing your joke, he's doing your joke, and they're like, you're not mad, I'm like, no, dude, I am honored that somebody as great as Felipe Esparza. Whether it was my joke he was referencing or somebody else he heard. Because, again, there's a lot of people that do similar jokes because yeah. it's, what, it's what we relate to with our culture. Um, so if he was referencing my joke, I feel honored the fact that somebody of his caliber heard my joke and, and it was something that it stuck in his mind. I think that's amazing. So if he did, I'm, I'm fucking honored that he did it. I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm not yeah. saying he stole anything because he didn't. He just referenced a joke and made a better joke out of it. And and so for that I'm like that's that's awesome and if if he ever hears this podcast I, I hey, didn't thank you Felipe I, I appreciate know. it for for doing that I didn't know what joke they said that Dane Cook stole because like I said that's the first comedian I've ever heard 
like that, and I loved him when I was in elementary school because he was so vulgar. And I was like in middle school, and I was like, "Holy crap, somebody's saying this!" And I just laughed because when I was a kid, I was playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if you've heard of that. I game. play I play video games. I'm a big video game oh, fan, so okay. I know exactly what Kingdom well, Hearts is. They used to take the clips from Kingdom Hearts two and put like the Burger King Dane Cook joke over on top it, of, yeah. over it, and it sounded like they were, were were saying it. And I just and then from there, that was my gateway to watching him and all that stuff. So I now know what joke it was like. He says, "If I have my uh, when I have kids one day, I want to name one or something like that." <laughs> and then that joke was stolen from ah uh, man, I can't remember what's his name because he said the same joke. When I have a kid, I want to name him like L or something, so I could just say L. Again, but like I, I said, think Dan Cook's a, joke version was a lot funnier if he did steal it. it you know, and, and like if we were talking about joke stealing, you know, everybody accused uh, Carlos Mencia of stealing jokes. And to be honest with you, Carlos Mencia was one of the the. I've always loved comedy. I, I've watched comedy forever, man. I've watched. I what? No, I, I've watched. Um, you know, I grew up watching comedy. I, I watched everybody from 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 uh, 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 Martin Martin Lawrence. Yeah. You know. Uh, oh, yeah. To to Red Fox to I mean the OG people like the original uh, Eddie Murphy like his raw dude that's what got me into comedy was that raw that was just crazy Eddie I want half Eddie I mean that shit was funny it was real it was realistic you know and and uh, the whole thing where he does that that the whole spill about uh, about um, uh, Bill Cosby's son coming to his show and 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 he's like Dad he said Mother F this and Mother F that and then and he like it, it pissed off Bill Cosby so he calls Eddie Murphy and tells him. My son went to your show, and and so Eddie Murphy's all fucked up because uh, you know Bill Cosby was his hero, and he's here chastising and telling him like you can't use the f word, you can't do this and everything. So Eddie calls uh, Richard Pryor, which Richard Pryor was another inspiration for my comedy, and he calls Richard Pryor. He's like, yeah, you know Bill Cosby just called me this and that, and Richard Pryor goes, man, tell that motherfucker to have a coconut smile, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean that comedy to me was hilarious because it's, it's real, dude, and and so I grew up watching that, you know, and and I've always loved comedy, and I, I waited really late in my life to start doing comedy. I didn't start doing comedy until I was like thirty six. Oh, wow. Or 30, okay. 36, 37, somewhere around there. I'm 44. I'm going to be 44 this year. Oh, so right. I've been so doing almost comedy. 10 years. Uh, uh, well, seven years, really. Yeah. Seven or eight years, uh, give or take. So back to what I was asking, what does that take? Because when I was a kid, I was like, I want to try doing comedy. I think that would be cool, just sitting in front of people, talking to people and stuff like that. But what does that take to sit down and write a joke? Are you like one of those comics that sits down? And like writes a joke, or do you, are you like, for example, like Gabriel Iglesias? He just talks about shit that happens to him. I don't know, Lourdes, you can, Lou, you can, you can answer that, can't you? Yeah, Mike, I remember me and you having several conversations because I've been on Mike for over 10 years now. Maybe, no, 13 years, I think. Yeah, almost, almost 15 years, almost man. Almost 15 years, True. Yes, Yeah, we've been knowing for yeah. For a long we time. We might as well at this point been childhood friends. Yeah, and, and uh, I remember when we were working together because we worked out in the refineries, and he was, uh, he was like, man, I, I, I'm funny. I think I want to be a comedian. I'm like, Mike, come on, you're not that funny, dude. <laughs> I used to tell him that stuff all the time. But he would make me laugh, you know. But I was like, man, I don't know if you're that funny. And uh, when he told me he wanted to be a comedian, I was like, man, that's great, Mike. That's great. Let's, I'll go, I'm going to go watch it. I'm going to go watch it. And, and I saw him on stage, and I was like, man, this fucker's actually funny, you know. It's, it's different, you know. It's different when you're on stage and you're actually doing your own thing. And to me, I, I, I would think that it takes a lot of guts to go up there in front of people and tell jokes, especially if they don't laugh, or when you, especially when you're just starting out, you know. And... and um, Mike is just he's he's gone a long way from when you started to now and you're really funny dude I, I really do I like I mean I'm probably your biggest fan dude you, you you're funny 
so so Lou was actually at my very first time ever being on stage. Okay. So the way it started for me is I I, I was going through I wouldn't say a divorce because we weren't married, but I was going through a separation from my from my ex, and um and comedy was something I always wanted to do. It's always been something that was therapeutic. I've always enjoyed making people laugh. I've always tried to be the funny person in the room. And even when I wasn't trying to be funny, when I was just trying to be serious, people would laugh because I guess my, my outlook on things was different than people. So um, when we separated, I was like, you know what? I want to go ahead and try comedy. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm 36 years old. I've never done anything I wanted to do in my life. I've always done what I needed to do. Uh, I went to work. I did this. I did that. I took care of my kids. And I was always, my thing was always doing for my family, everybody else. It was never about Mike and what Mike wants to do for Mike. So uh, when I hit 36, like, you know what? I want to try to do comedy. I, I've always liked it. And, and so I, I started going at the time that there was a comedy club in Pasadena called The Joke Joint. And, and, and so they used to have an open mic and a, and a workshop every Wednesday. So every Wednesday I was going to this place and I was taking a notepad. And I was writing my jokes. And, and they were real corny jokes. I mean, it was, it was like, like the corniest stuff I could think of at the time. And I was writing stuff down and writing stuff down. And, and we would go to that workshop and I would... I would tell my jokes at the workshop, and they would tell me what I could do to make them better. And the owner would come by one day, and I had a one joke about um, about uh, uh what was it about um, uh, about being Mexican and not speaking Spanish, right? Okay. And so like, yeah, you know, I'm Mexican, I don't speak Spanish. Da, da, da. He goes, you know, you can make that better. He could say, you could say on on there, you can go on there and say, you know, being Mexican, not speaking Spanish is like a gay guy who don't suck dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's great. Can I use that? He's like, yeah, use that. So I was like, okay. So that, I was like, yeah, that was awesome. So that, it was funny, right? Um, so I, I started off like that, you know. And then so I did, I did the open mic for a while. I, I didn't do open mic. I never went on stage. I just did the the workshop. I just kept showing up, showing up. I met a lot of good comics out there. Um, some of the comics now that I mean, they're not famous, but I feel like they should be. Some people like like Sun Tran, very funny uh, comic out of Houston. Uh, he's hilarious, dude, and and I feel like he, if he had the right opportunity, he would definitely be out there. Um, another comic at the time, his name is uh, his name is Tremaine uh, Bradley. He's out in Chicago now, but he was here in Houston, and he was he was the first comic to come up to me like, "Hey, Mike, uh, I see what you're doing. It's great." He goes, uh, "You ought to get this book. It teaches you how to write jokes because there's a formula to writing jokes. Like I just went up there and thought, okay, you just go up there and be funny, but there's a formula to it. There's a there's a lot of thought process into making a, a good joke." And so he's like, you know, you need to get this. It's called the Comedy Bible. It's going to help you structure your jokes. And so I, I got it. And then he showed me. He helped me out a lot. Uh, so Tremaine, you know, bro, uh, you're one of the people who's directly responsible for my comedy spot as it is now. I mean, not where I'm at now, but for my ability to do comedy. You're definitely, you know, one of the people who influenced that. And I appreciate you. Um, so but, but so that's how I got. I kind of got started. And so finally, after going so so often. I got confident enough to where I'm like, you know what? Let's put my name on the on the open mic list because you have to sign up a week before. Okay. So that that follows. So we would do the workshop on Wednesday, and then that was like from six to like seven, and then from eight to ten was the open mic where you could, you know, they select certain people from that list and they let you go on stage and do time. And usually it was like three minutes if you're brand new, you get three minutes. So I, I signed up. And they're like, all right, Mike, we're, you're picked. You'll be on next Wednesday. So I called all my friends, everybody I knew. Hey, I want to be doing comedy on stage. And, and it's an open mic, by the way. It's not a show, but it's an open mic. But I told everybody, this is my first show. I'm going to be on stage. And so, uh, you know, Inspector Lou came out there, him and his wife. Uh, one of my coworkers, Randall uh, Jeremy, he came out there, him and his wife. Um, and then my buddy uh, uh, Joe, him and his family came out there. So I had a lot of family and friends that came out. For that first night. And I remember going on stage and being nervous. 
and then like, man, I don't know, I don't want to do horrible. So I go on stage and I start talking, and the next thing I know, it's like I zoned out. Like I just started talking about life and things that were on my mind at the time, and 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 everything I had prepared went away, and I just started talking about my general life in general. And and uh, I'm so I'm talking, and they're like, you got three minutes, and you have a light that's supposed to flash off to let you know when you hit your three minute mark. So I'm doing my comedy. I'm looking at that light. It's not flashing. So I'm still talking. And I'm looking at the light. It's still not flashing. I'm still just talking at that point. And I'm, I'm, I, and I'm like, I do, I'm in my mind. I'm like, I've gone over three minutes. There's yeah. no way. I mean, this is the longest three minutes in my life. Yeah. And so I'm still talking because I haven't seen the light. And so finally, at one point, I just like, you know what? I need to cut this out because I know I'm going to. And I'm like, and, and in comedy, it's, it's important that you respect the light. You don't want to go over the light because if you go over the light, then there's a good chance they'll never put you on stage yeah. again. So I went past the light. I, I, I was just going. So I'm at this point, I'm like, dude, I've, I've gone over. I know I've gone over the light. I must have not seen it. I must have been looking somewhere when it went off. So I'm like, I, 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 I stopped my set right there and I got off stage. And everybody's like clapping. Everybody was laughing. So the more they were laughing, the more I was getting into yeah. it, the more I was telling more jokes. Uh, so, uh, you know, everybody had a good time. They were laughing. I get off stage. And so I'm coming off stage and I'm walking over there. The owner comes up to me. His name is uh, uh, Ken. Uh, I can't remember his last name right now, but I remember his first name. His name was Ken. And he's like, uh, he goes, uh, so uh, what do you think? I was like, man, it was amazing. He goes, do you know how much time you did? And like, oh fuck, I'm about to get in trouble. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm I I I know I probably went over the light. He goes, you did, you did. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but I did not mean to. He goes, no, no, don't worry about it. He goes, you know how much time you did? I'm like, no. He goes, you did ten minutes. I'm like, what? I'm so sorry. He goes, no. He goes, I let you do that ten minutes. That's why I never gave you the light. You were having such a good time on stage, and everybody was laughing. I didn't see a point getting you off. So my first time on stage, I got to do ten minutes. And, wow, and, look at that. And it, it, and ever since then, man, it's been on. I've been doing comedy and and I've been going on stage and, and making people laugh and and I talk a lot about my life and and um, I've never written a joke since then. Ah, so so then did you just talk about your? I just talk about my life and and, and, and awesome and, and 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 like I said, Lou could tell you because a lot of times I'll, I'll call Lou on the way home from work and I'll just start talking to him and then I just start talking. And I'll have him laughing. I had him laughing hard, so hard one time he almost crashed. He's oh, like, Mikey, yeah. you got to stop this shit, Mikey. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't talk. And, and he's like, you should write that down. You should put it in the joke. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of times I remember what I say. Sometimes I don't remember what I say. But every show with me is different. Rolling. Because it's just, yeah, it's just going. I so, remember that time, Mike. I remember I was on, on my way I was on my way to work. I was working in Corsicana, which is like a three-hour drive from here. And um, we, me and you were just having a conversation. We were just talking bullshit. And then. And you, you were, we were just talking about life and stuff, and you were telling me this, this scene, this situation that happened to you. It was about the towel. The, about the towel, yes, the towel. And I, I was just rolling, like, what the fuck, like, really, this really happened? And you were like, yeah, this happened. And I was like, man, you gotta put that in your show. And you were like, really, you think it's that funny? Yes, definitely, put it in your show. And he did, and he had everybody. I remember watching that show, and yeah. it was, you had so, everybody rolling. So too. basically, the, the whole towel thing was about how my wife will use the towel that I use to wash with. And, and, and she started building up, like, a little rash on her cheek and everything oh, like Jesus. that. And she's like, I don't know what happened, babe. I just get this rash. And I'm like, well, what child? I, I've been using that blue towel. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, I'm like that's not a rash. That's jock itch because that's the same time I use to wash my nuts. So, <laughs> you know? So uh, that, it was just, you know, life experiences the, and shit the, like that. The, the comics, I like, I've noticed that I, I, I like. Because, like I said, it's something I was a kid I wanted to try at least once, you know, just get up on stage and, like, see if I can make people laugh. 
I've never, I never thought I've been funny, but it's something I want to try. The comics I've noticed that I like gravitate to are the ones that like interact with the audience. They're like, oh, so what do you do for a living? And then they make jokes out of that. I really, I, I really like that. So I, I do interact with the audience. There's a lot of things I do with the audience that I interact with um, because a lot of times, like I said, the lot of stuff that I talk about in, on stage is real life stuff. So I can see the people who relate to it in the audience, and so I'll like. You know what I'm talking about, you know, and then and then our, our our wife, I'll say a joke about something, and the wife will look at the husband and start laughing. I'm like, see, you know what I'm talking about. Look, she's already telling you, and so they'll interact, and it pulls them in, so they know that they're, you know, it, it makes it makes it part of the show. It makes them more, yeah. they relate better. So I do a lot of that, and I enjoy it. Like I said, it's it's something I've been doing for a while, and obviously, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't keep doing it because it doesn't make me any money. I don't. Uh, you're not going to get rich off of comedy unless you really you really hustle. I mean, the the people who've made it who've got big names out there are people that they dedicated 100% of their life to comedy. They're out every night hustling. And, and the people don't realize this. All these comics that you see, like even like Gabriel Iglesia, you know, people don't realize Gabriel Iglesia has been doing comedy for over 20 years. It took like 15, 16 years before he actually started getting famous from it. He didn't start getting, he, that first special that he had in Comedy Central, he paid for that. They didn't call him and say, hey, we want to film your comedy special. No, he Worked at he worked at Walmart. He was sleeping on his sister's couch. He was a stalker at Walmart. He saved up all his money. He paid a production company. He rented the theater and then did the show there. They filmed it. He took that film and then sent it to Comedy Central. Say, I want to sell the special to you. Comedy Central saw it. Said, Man, you know what? This is a really good special. Um, we'll pay you. I don't know how much. Fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars for that special. And that's what got him. And then that got out. And then everybody saw. I remember Gabriel, it was like and, 2007, yeah, 2008, it, it, something like that. But he that. paid for that. He was sleeping on his sister's oh, couch that. at that time. And so he put a lot of work, a lot of sweat into his craft. And that's the result of it. And, and that's what it takes in order to be a, a, you know, out there is, is you got to put a lot of work into it. And, and like I said, there's a lot of comics out there that I know personally that, that to me are some of the funniest comics out there. Like there, there's comics out there that I know that I feel like are funnier than, than, than Kevin Hart. They're funnier than Gabriel Iglesias. I mean, there's a comic right now, Raymond Orta. That dude just kills everywhere he's at. He's one of the funniest comics I know. Uh, I mean, and and the cool thing is he's very faith uh, 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 based. Like he, he he's very strong in his faith, and that and, and that man is hilarious. But not a lot of people know him unless they know the Cowboys and unless they see his videos. They don't know him as well as these big name comics. Okay. But to me, he could he could run circles around some of these comics because he's just that funny. And, and, and he's that's why I say there's a lot of hidden he's a gems comedian. He's a good comedian. The only thing I don't like about him is that he's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> well, we can't all be perfect. But he, uh, as far as comedy goes, the guy's amazing. He does great work. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of hidden gems out there. And that's, I think, well, you know, why I wanted to start producing my own comedy shows is because I wanted to highlight Latino comics. I feel like there's a market there where people just aren't seeing us like they used to. They're not seeing Latinos. They're not seeing the culture. They're not seeing what we bring to the table yeah. as far as comedy. So I started Los Comedy Compadres, which is my comedy group, and I started that uh, maybe four or five years ago just so I could produce comedy shows that, that highlight uh, Latino comics. And so that's what we've been doing, and that's what I keep doing, and that I'll, I'll do this until I can do it no longer, probably, because I, I love it. I don't make no money off of it, but I love it, and I'll keep doing it. And uh, so I, I right now I run a room in Pasadena at Winter's Bar Pasadena, and then I run another room in Sugarland called the, the Lounge at Six, and that's I bring I bring comics from all over the world. I've worked with Jerry Garcia from HBO. He was just recently on the George Lopez show as one of the movers. Okay. Funny, funny comedian, dude. Real funny guy. Really down to earth. Real humble, dude. This guy he has an HBO special called "It's Not My Weekend." He's very funny. Very good comic. 
Um, I worked with another comedian named Jade Esteban Estrada. He's, I mean, this guy is amazing. He's an entertainer. He's not even a comic. I don't even call him a comic. He's an entertainer because he does everything. He sings. He dances. He makes you laugh. He does improv. You've you've seen him before. He's I hilarious. Um, I've I've had the privilege, and like I said, now I'm working with Alex Raimundo. So I've been blessed. I've I've met Paul Rodriguez, and, and he's an, an amazing person. I've met Carlos Mencia. Uh, so I've met all these comics doing this, and, and it, it's really humbling. It's really awesome. Uh, so Juan, I'm, Juan Villarreal, I like that guy. That guy's funny. Juan, Juan is my boy. So Juan Villarreal is a Houston-based comic. He was really, really big in the early 2000s, and uh, and he had to stop be, for personal reasons and take care of family and stuff like that. That guy's one of the most humblest comedians, and by far one of the funniest comedians. This guy will have you on the floor laughing. This guy used to party with Tupac back in the day, and so he'll tell you stories that will just have you laughing your ass off. And his outlook on life is hilarious. So. Uh, and he's Houston based and, and, and he's he's right now he's back on his come up. He's 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 doing national tours again. He's hitting all these big shows. It's a matter of time before you see Juan Viriel on TV again. And this guy's been doing comedy for over thirty years and he's just an amazing comic. So I, I have all these privileges to work with these comics, which is amazing. Mike, I watched Juan Villarreal like three or four different times uh, on set and he never repeats a freaking uh, anything. Uh, everything's different and everything's new. There's and always just, a different twist yeah. to it, everything like that. And, he, and like I say, he's really good. So I'm cool. I, I I know I just took over like another 15, 20 minutes of just talking about comedy, but no, I, I mean, I, I asked. It, it's how passionate so it's I not, am about it's it. Not, it's not your fault. I asked. It, so. It's how passionate yeah. I am about the thing. But but to rail everything back in because we're already hitting the, the the an hour and thirty minute mark, and and I'm sorry for keeping you guys up so late. Uh, I didn't anticipate for this to be that late. Um, but yeah, so back to everything again. Back to the cigars, man. Y'all guys make a great product. I love the fact that y'all have a history behind your product. Um, you know, thank God to your to your grandfather and everybody for for providing us with this this opportunity to try this. Thank you, Eddie, for 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 inviting us to for inviting us into your to your to your to your location here and for 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 sharing this this amazing cigar. It is by far an amazing cigar. So again, guys, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're still on with us right now and y'all haven't cut off because it's like an hour and and 24 minutes is where we're at right now. So if you're still listening, guys, go to enacigars.com. Yeah. Order yourself some cigars. Treat yourself because I, 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 I promise you the cigar is a treat. Uh, you cannot get this one that we spoke tonight here. But if you're in the Pearland market or hell, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to try the cigar, email me, text me, message me, whatever you want to do. I will come buy the cigars and ship them to you if I have to myself because this is how good the cigar is. I, I, I truly believe that this, this is a great cigar. Um, thank you, uh, Yellow Rose Distillery. Amazing, amazing bourbon. It's the Harris County one. Uh, it's a straight bourbon whiskey, so try it out, guys. You can get it at your local specs. Like I said, it's about 50 bucks a bottle. It's well worth it. It's amazing. It tastes really, really good. It's very, very smooth. Um, man, with that being said, guys, thank you all again. Alex. Thank you, uh, sir. No, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully Eddie, next time you, 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 you're uh, smoking one of these is real traditional, 100% uh, uh, Cuban with everything Cuban when Cuba is finally free, which will hopefully be soon. Well, we're, we're definitely going to be back some more. I'm, I'm definitely coming back to pick up more cigars because you guys are amazing. Thank so you. thank you all so much, guys. I appreciate you all guys. Lou, you got anything for the audience, buddy? No, no. Thank you for that, man. That was, that was really good. That, um, that's a really good smoke and good bourbon, and I really enjoyed myself today. All right, guys. Well, so, guys, signing off. This is Mike Sanchez. Real quick before I go, again, for those listening in, if you're in the Houston market, March 17th in Sugarland, we're going to have the, the world-famous Alex Raimundo. 
He's going to be there doing his comedy. He's going to be selling his number one tequila, which is a tequila brand that he brought all the way out from Mexico. It's a small batch plant, so it, it's, it's just like the cigars. It, it's small batches, great quality, amazing tequila. He's going to be there March 17th at, at the Lounge at 6 in Sugarland. March 18th, we're going to be at, at Winter's Bar Pasadena in Pasadena. Um, March 11th, if you're in the Victoria market, we're going to be at Dodge Saloon in Victoria, March 11th. And then if you're in the San Antonio market, he's going to be at Upstage Comedy on March 19th. If you can get anytime any of those shows, I strongly suggest being there. It's going to be an amazing show. And until then, guys, this is Mike Sanchez. Thank you all so much, and peace.